0: What are the blessings the spiritual blessings that money cannot buy well in today's study in 2 corinthians 9 we're going to see how the bible promises that when we step into a realm of generosity that god brings into our life what the bible calls a harvest of spiritual righteousness what is a harvest of righteousness? We're going to explore that out in today's sermon. I'm so glad you're listening to Awakened to Grace. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. We are finishing a series today. We are concluding our series on righteousness. We've talked about what righteousness will not only do for a people, for a country, but also for us as individual Christ followers. We began in week one with Psalm 11, where the scripture says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We talked about the plight of our country. We talked about the state that America is now in. We began with Psalm 11, and we saw that if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the next verse, verse 4, says that God is in His holy temple, and God is on His throne. Amen. Last week, we were in Matthew chapter 5, and we looked at the scripture in verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? Filled, satisfied. We talked last week that in our American culture, we are taught to pursue happiness. But in reality, what Jesus teaches is that you don't pursue the things that you think will satisfy you. No. You don't pursue satisfaction within itself. And that's what many, especially Americans do. We we, 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 We pursue fulfillment. We pursue satisfaction. No, Jesus said what you do is you pursue, you go after, you hunger, you thirst, you crave the very thing that actually will fulfill and will satisfy, and that is righteousness. The things of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then other things will be added to your life. Well, we're going to continue on in the same thought today as we conclude our series. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to talk about what the Bible calls a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you will help us today as we examine your word, as we break open this great bread of life. And God, may it fulfill us today. May it satisfy all of those cravings. That each of us have in life. God may it give us an eternal perspective. So many of us have trouble seeing past the next paycheck. So many of us have trouble seeing past the next five years. So many of us have trouble seeing past perhaps even retirement. But God you invite us into a different way of living. You invite us into a different story. And it is an eternal perspective. Give us that kind of perspective today, Lord, as we open your word, we study your word. God, may it come to life to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 9, it's been uh, quite an important chapter throughout my pastoring. I've always looked to it. It's always helped me. It's always encouraged me. But this year particularly, 2020, has been quite the year for me and Sadie in our personal spiritual growth. I've been very transparent with the church and today I'm not per se going to preach on giving. Uh, I'll touch a, just a little bit on it because it's what the text, it, 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 it's, it's the context of, of what Paul is writing. But, but I want to show you what the Lord has been showing me. All year this year. God began dealing with me around the end of February, the first of March. As you know, and I've been very transparent with you, Sadie and I struggled in the area of giving for quite a while. And up until several years ago, we were not tithers. I gave all of my time. I gave all of my energy. I gave all of my attention to the church. And in my foolishness, I thought that was enough. But what I had to learn the hard way is that when it comes to giving, there is no excuse before the Lord. My excuse was we're a young family. My excuse was we're a growing family. My excuse was, God, my head is barely above water. It's above water, but it's kind of like this. (laughs) It's barely above water. My excuse was when I get settled in life, when I get into a better place, when we get our bills under control, and none of that measures up. And what I had to learn in my own personal life is, yes, I can give God many things. I can give Him my energy. I can give Him my abilities. I can give Him my skills and my talents and even my attention and even my worship. But if I am withholding my first fruits, if I am giving God what's left instead of giving God what's right, I'm wrong. Well, several years ago, and I've been transparent about this and I've shared with you, several years ago, Sadie and I got very serious about giving. We made it priority. We made it the priority of our lives. And since then, oh, how God has helped us. And blessed us. Well, fast forward to this year, around February or March, God spoke to me what I would have never dreamed he would have said. Here we went from non-tithers at all, giving God what little we had, just whenever we could, just giving God what's left. To now, several years later, God has blessed us. We're tithing solid, it's it's systematic, it's disciplined, it's there. Well, now it's just in the rhythm of our week. We, we don't even really even think about it anymore because it's just built in and it's routine. Well, the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year and God said, I want you to do more. I want you to do more than your... The 10% you don't even feel anymore. Now it's time to take the next step. And God put a percentage in our heart. And we began to do that. Well, now... Now, I want to show you what God has been teaching me all year long. See, when I gave previously, I thought one of the reasons I was giving was for God to give back. You know, like, okay, because we're tithers, God's going to help our life. He's going to provide a vehicle for us. He's going to provide the fuel for the vehicle. He's going to provide our weekly provisions. We're able to go to the grocery store. God's going to keep a roof over my head. And all of those things matter, don't they? Those things are important. And God's going to take care of us. And God has to His glory. But what God began to teach me back in February and March was something that I've never seen in these texts. Something that I've read this chapter hundreds of times, but I've never saw it until February or March. And I want, you, I want to draw your attention to several key words today, but particularly, just look at verse 10 with me. And this is where I want to begin. And we're going to back up and, 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 and see some key things here. But notice 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Notice that, that at the very end, the last phrase of verse 10, Paul is going to write that not only is God going to give seed to the sower, that's what he says, right? And he's going to give bread to the hungry. Oh, doesn't God meet our provisions? And then what happens after you sow your seed and then you eat your bread? Then what? Well, notice this is perpetual. He's going to supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And then this is what I never saw. Look what God says. And he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. And see, God began to teach me earlier this year. Chad, you think you're giving, so I provide a home. You think you're giving, so I provide food. You think you're giving, so that I'll provide for your family. But God says, no, no, Chad, you don't understand. What I want to do is so big in your life, it is beyond the things that money could ever buy. God says, what I want to do is bring a harvest of righteousness into your life. And I began to think, what does a harvest of righteousness mean? I mean, how do you even get your hands around that? What does it mean? And God began to reveal to me. God began to speak to me, Chad, I'll produce such fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life that they will grow in abundance. Chad, I'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. I will provide for you what money could never touch. See, the thing I can't do is bring righteousness to my children, can I? And you can't do it either, but God can. The thing that I cannot do is bring grace into my life. I can't buy grace, but God says, I'll make all grace abound toward you. I cannot do certain spiritual things in my own flesh, by my own strength, in my own doing, by my own desires. But do you know what? God is able to bring a harvest of spiritual righteousness into me. And Chad said, and the Lord said, Chad, you're missing the entire point of the text. You think the point is give. And I'll give you shelter, I'll give you food, I'll give you provisions. No, the point is, you give, you become a generous, you become a cheerful giver. And what is going to be the fruit? What's going to be the harvest? The things that money could never buy you. You see what I'm saying? So let's back up and let's understand the context today. Let's understand what Paul is truly saying. Paul is coming to the Corinthian church. And if you read the previous chapter and the first several verses of chapter 9, what you see is Paul is preparing an offering. So you do have to understand, the context of this scripture is in a way of giving, okay? So don't miss that. Don't cut that out. So Paul is going to prepare a gift. And what he's telling the Corinthians, he's going to receive a gift for poorer Christians. And he's going to say, I'm coming to you. You've promised a gift Don't embarrass me. You say you're going to do this, have it prepared. But he says in verse number six, now this is very important. Paul says, so the point is this. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. But then he says in verse seven, but don't give under compulsion. Don't let someone twist your arm. Let each one decide in his heart what he wants to give. For God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Paul says this thing is not forced. This is out of the heart. It's very similar as Brad was explaining. You know, we did the Bless the Blue project, which was so successful. Praise God for that. We're going we're to really minister to our local law enforcement through this. And then uh, next Sunday, we're going, to, it, 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 we're going to have Smile Foster Kids. Uh, their director is coming in to give a short, like a 10-minute presentation. They cared for 500 foster kids last year. And we're going to bless them. We're going to help them. And then at the end of the year, for the last two Sundays of the year, and our big Christmas Eve candlelight service, we're going to do an offering for Bibles for Bangladesh. $3.00 buys a Bible for a Christian in Bangladesh. I'm asking the Lord, and I have been asking the Lord, I'm asking the Lord that we will be responsible for 1,000 Bibles. Wouldn't that be wonderful to end such a hard and difficult year like 2020 and end it by sending 1,000 Bibles to Bangladesh. What a way to end the year. Well, see, in a similar way, this is what Paul has done. Paul has said, I want you to have a heads up i want you to understand i want you to pray and prepare a gift and this is why he's writing this now in saying that he does some incredible teaching he helps us understand that there are natural laws and there are spiritual laws and they're similar they're sowing and reaping but what i again paul says in verse 6 the point is this sowing and reaping But when you get later down into the text, what I never saw was the point of the sowing and reaping. It's not just material provisions. It's those spiritual things that money cannot buy. For example, look with me at verse number 8. Look what he says in verse number 8. And God is able. Is that not what we just got through singing? Wasn't that our first song today? God is able. That wasn't... (laughs) I was just stand there listening like, are you kidding me? That's the first song. God is able. What's verse 8 say? God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You know what that verse tells me? That verse tells me that God walks with me through every season of life. God walks with me through every sorrow of life. God walks with me through every pain, through every problem, through every hardship, every single thing that I face in life. God says, Chad, don't fear it because you'll have all sufficiency for all things at all times. See, that's why the Bible says so many, so often, it says we can bless the Lord at all times. Amen? Why can I bless the Lord at all times? Because his grace is sufficient. Because I have sufficiency in all things at all times. Hallelujah. And then he says, look what he says, verse number eight, that, he may, that you may abound in every good work. What's he saying? That word abound, the word picture is literally of a river that is overflowing its banks. Isn't that phenomenal? That's who I want to be in life. I want to be so generous. I want to be so joyful. I want to have the fruits of the Holy Spirit so abounding in me that my life is literally like a river that is overflowing its banks. Then I'm just always generous. Look what he says in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way that you may be what? Generous in every way. Hallelujah. Do you want to live that kind of life? Do you want to be someone who's generous with everything that you have? With who you are as a person? I want want my life to be irrationally generous. Because let let me tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down right now. And, And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to say it right here. This is why I want to be so generous in life. Because the harvest that God wants to do in our life, you do not get a harvest from seed that is stored. You get a harvest from seed that is sown. That's the only way you get a harvest. And if God is able to do in my life. Such rich things like bring great grace to me. Like cause me to abound in every good work. Like bring the harvest of righteousness into my life. Like cause me to be generous in every way. Then I want. I want that kind of harvest. I want to live that kind of life. So let's talk about that for just a moment. How do do you get a harvest of righteousness? If God wants to do such an excellent work, then what do you do? Well, then we have to understand something, okay? Let's understand this. The laws that are natural, say like farm living, are very similar to the laws that are spiritual. They parallel. So if I'm going to get a harvest, do you know what I have to do? I have to be willing to sow seed. I have to be willing to take the precious seed of my life and I have to be willing to sow it. I can't store it in barns. It won't produce anything. I have to put it into the ground in order for it to produce. Is that right or wrong? How many of you were like me in school, and you learned the art of cramming? Anybody ever cram in school? Now, see, there are certain social laws. We're big on social today, right? Social media, social distancing, everything's social. Well, yes, there are some social laws, but it's not like natural laws. So most of us, most of us did not grow up on a farm. Most of us do not farm for a living. So I I know one family here in our church who has an amazing farm. I actually purchased beef from them. They have an incredible farm. But most of us do not make a living farming. Although, just for your information, let me give you some useless facts here. Did you know that the state of Tennessee is among the top ten states for agriculture? As a matter of fact, if you look at our state seal, it has to do with agriculture. Do you know how many farms there are in the state of Tennessee? Would anyone like to take a wild guess? Just take a stab at it. 5,000. Who else? Just take a stab. I want to see if you're anywhere close to what I thought. 8,000. Going once, going twice. I looked it up on Google so you can fact check me. 66,600 farms in the state of Tennessee. 11 million acres of farmland that produce $3 billion a year. We know something about farming in Tennessee, don't we? Now, think with me for a moment. Okay, I'm making a, a... I'm making a point here, but you've got to follow me for a moment. In school, which is where most of us learn much of our behavior, you can cram. Is that right or wrong? You can can spend most of your years in school, and you can cram and never learn. Most of us did it, right? Crammed, but never learned anything. Those rules in social life do not apply to natural laws. You cannot do that on a farm. You cannot come to the precious months of harvesting in August and September. You cannot come to those precious, valuable months and then cram for a harvest. You can't go out two weeks before harvest and sow a ton of seed and expect a strong harvest. It doesn't work that way, right? And see, we do the same thing in our lives spiritually. We live haphazardly. We live for the moment. We live doing whatever we want to do. But then the moment that we need God to intervene, then all of a sudden we sow some real quick seed. You cannot cram for righteousness. It doesn't work that way. It is a spiritual law like there are natural laws, like there is farming laws that does not work the way most of us grew up. No, the strongest spiritual lives are those that are done in increments, those that are done through the process, those that are done perpetually, those that are always sowing seeds. What's the old saying? Sow an act and you'll reap what? A habit. Sow a habit and you'll reap a character. Sow a character and you'll reap a destiny. Some of you right now, you don't have any quiet time with the Lord. You're busy. You constantly You go, 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 go. go. We're developing this resource for the end of the year, first of the year, to help people establish a strong devotion time. Mornings with God, that's what we're calling it. Mornings with God. And I'm telling you, if you'll get into a habit, if you'll begin to sow the seeds of a habit to where you spend your mornings with God, what a difference that that would make. In your spiritual life. You see what I'm saying? And instead of cramming for God to intervene. No, you'll live a perpetual life of spending time with God. Sowing those seeds with God. That then he can bring the harvest of righteousness into your life. Does that make sense to everyone today? So let's don't miss the first point. You have to sow a seed. <laughs> because we don't do farming, we shop at grocery stores, I, I think we missed this point in our life. I think we completely overlooked this point. We cannot expect a harvest if we don't put anything in the ground. You cannot get a harvest without sowing a seed. Are you sowing seed today? Are there acts of righteousness in your life? Is there devotion to God? Is there, are there acts of service? Are you utilizing your spiritual gifts? Are you engaged in God's work? Are you about God's interest? Are you a giver today? Are you a tither today? Do you engage? In the work of God. Because let me tell you what it is. When you decide I'm going to begin to sow precious seeds. You invite God into your life. You invite God into your life. And what I am learning. And what, what a precious journey this has been. What I'm learning is when I'm involved in God's interest. That's when God's involved in my interest. Amen. Amen. Sow precious seed. You cannot forget, don't neglect the act of sowing. Remember, you cannot cram for it like you did in school. You have to prepare. Now, what I'm doing is I'm looking into 2021. I'm looking into 2022. I'm looking five years down the road. And I'm saying, God, what kind of harvest would I like to have? Where do I want my life to be? Now remember verse 6. Paul says the point is this. You sow sparingly. Now remember you can't cram. This takes time. There are laws to it. There's harvest time. You sow sparingly. What are you going to reap? Sparingly. You sow bountifully. What are you going to reap? Bountifully. Friends, I want bountiful righteousness in my family. I want bountiful righteousness in my life. I want grace upon grace. I want to abound in good works. I want to have a generous heart. I want to have a thankful heart. And these things come through the harvest of righteousness that God wants to do. And see, now when I do my giving, it's far greater than God, will you put gas in my car? God, will you keep shelter over my head? No, it's so much deeper. Oh God, will you do those beautiful works of righteousness that I can't do on my own? Do you see the deeper level to it? See, sometimes we're so short-sighted. Keeley read scripture out of Ephesians this morning to open that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. That in the ages to come. What a a powerful phrase. See, uh, I've been thinking about this. Uh, Yesterday I was thinking about this. Uh, Ephesians uh, 2, 8 and 9. Most people know that verse. Uh, For you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. A lot of times people ask. I, I probably have had more people ask me this as a pastor than any other question. People ask, if God knew that Satan was going to deceive mankind, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, which he knew that, the plan, the cross was never plan B, it was always plan A. For the Bible says that Christ was slain before the foundations of the world were ever laid. So if God knew that Satan was going to do what he did to mankind, if he knew mankind would rebel, then why did God allow it all to unfold? Why didn't God pull the plug before any of it happened? Why did God allow it? See, we're so short-sighted. You cannot read verse 8 and 9 without understanding verse 7. And do you know what verse 7 says? That we are saved to the glory of God so that in the ages to come, we might display his glory. See, God is going to do something far beyond your 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years. What God wants to do is in the ages to come. You see, are we so, short, so short-sighted That we just live paycheck to paycheck or we live month to month or season to season. And we don't understand that what God wants to do in us and ultimately through us will glorify Him for the ages to come. Do you understand that when you and I give $3 for a Bible to Bangladesh... When you and I give $6.50 for the hundreds upon hundreds of Bibles that we have given to Pakistan. Do you realize that we're glorifying God not just now, but while the ages roll? Isn't that something? What you and I do now for the glory of God is going to be displayed and glorify God For the ages to come. Don't be so short-sighted. Don't live for this week. Don't live for just this paycheck. I'm so embarrassed as I look back over the years that I spent withholding from God. Because I didn't think that I could make it to the next week. No. If God's going to glorify himself in me for the ages to come, he'll do it right now by meeting each and every one of my needs. Amen. And so will he you. And so what God does is he invites us into this story. He invites us to say, listen, you let go of what you have and I'll give you things you could never buy. You give me your time, you give me your talents, you give me your skills, you give me your, your, the, the portion of your income that I ask. And listen, I'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. And what that brings is a harvest of righteousness. But it starts with sowing a seed. I, I've shared with you, and it's, just, it's, it's it, I just want to share it in, in this point, but uh, some of you already know this, some of you don't. The first of the year, God willing, we're going to renovate this whole middle section of the church. We have a big, large section in the middle that's never been renovated, and we're going to turn it all into kids' space. And uh, I don't know if you know how many kids are coming to our church right now, but it's ridiculous. We almost uh, two weeks ago, we almost had more kids back there than we had adults in the auditorium. Apparently, you take that be fruitful and multiply to heart. Apparently, because. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> <Well>, amen. <laughs> I heard uh, one pastor said he had a lot of kids. They said you must lo- lo- love your ki- you must love kids. He said, "No, I love my wife." <laughs> so we're gonna do this big renovation project and turn all that into kids areas and hallways and all that great stuff. Well, the city's making us hire an architect. We, we have to, because it's commercial, we have to do that. So we brought in a couple of architects, and the cheapest one was $8,900. And that was just to get started. That was no construction. That's just for them to draw it out. And there's a brother in our church. Man, this guy's so smart. I feel, I feel like a box of rocks when I talk to him. He is so smart. He has a job that I didn't even know what his job title meant. I had to say, well, what's that? <laughs> he's so much smarter than I am. Well, he's got some background in this. He joined a small group that I was leading, and for several weeks we were talking, how is God going to use him? He wanted he so bad to be used of the Lord. We're talking about where he fits and what he could do and how God could, could utilize him here. Well, then he hears me talking about this project and he hears me talking about an architect and he comes up to us and he says, you know, I've I've got some experience in this. Maybe I can help. I'm not exaggerating. Nearly 200 emails later, multiple drawings later, meetings with the city later, Skype meetings and in-person meetings and I don't know how many phone calls and how many texts. The city's approved our plans and because of that brother bringing his skill to us, because of that brother bringing his talent to us, it cost our church zero dollars. Amen. That's a great example of someone taking their skills and saying, I'll utilize it for the kingdom of God. Do you know what God is saying will come into my brother's life? A harvest of righteousness. For what he did for the kingdom of God. And listen, it's not just him. Listen, so many of you serve in so many different capacities. Do you know that right now we have a hundred and thirty people serving at this church? A hundred and thirty people serving, giving up their time, sacrificing for God's kingdom. Do you have any idea what that means to us? We could never function the way we function without people serving the way they do. Friends, do you know what's going to come to you? A harvest of righteousness. The giving that people do. Do you realize we were shut down this year? We, in in 19 years, we've never shut down on a Sunday morning other than for snow to be snowed out. And this year, we were shut down 11 Sundays that's almost a quarter, almost a quarter of the year we were shut down. And do you know that our giving went up instead of going down? Isn't that remarkable? And because we don't make a, spe- a spectacle of the people we help or the missions that we do, most people have no idea the level of, Of generosity that comes out of this house because we don't we don't publicize it but because people are so strong in generosity friends there are things that are being done on a weekly if not daily basis that is glorifying God and you know what's going to come to you those of you who are engaged in God's work A harvest of righteousness. Why? Because you're sowing precious seed. Let me say this about sowing seed. Tuesday night at prayer meeting, we had a very sweet prayer meeting. And a man that I've known for many years, his name is Chuck. I love Chuck. I love him so much. He's a good friend of mine. And right now, Chuck is homeless. And he came to prayer meeting. And here this man is struggling, homeless right now struggling. He came up. He came forward. I thought he was going to ask us to pray for him. And do you know what he asked? He asked that everybody would come up and pray for me and for my blindness. Oh, my goodness. When he did that, my first thought, boy, Satan was right there on my shoulder saying, you're going to do this again, huh? You're going to ask people to pray again. You're going to do it again, huh? Second thing he told me was, Chad, it's a pandemic. People don't want to get up close. They don't want to pray around you. They don't want to get close. Well, people came forward and they began to pray. What a If you were here, was it not a sweet, sweet moment of prayer? Jared, one of our deacons, laid his hand on Chuck to pray for Chuck. And you know what this homeless man did? He took Jared's hand away and put his hand on my eyes to pray for me. Isn't that something else? And while we were praying, Satan was telling me, what a waste of time. You've done this a hundred times. You're wasting people's time. (laughs) I mean, if you know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. Psalms 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that carry their seed, their precious seed, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Amen. And the Lord said, Chad, all of these prayers, all this prayer that's going on for your eyes, they're like precious seeds being sown into the ground. And one day, thank God, there shall be a harvest of righteousness to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. So are you discouraged today? Are you tired? Let me bring you to my second point Not only must there be seed sown into the ground, but number two, there must be the patience of waiting. Turn to James chapter 5 verse 7, and I'll I'll begin to conclude here, but follow with me here, James chapter 5 verse number 7. Notice how James talks about patience here. And what does he compare to yet again, as Scripture does over and over? To the farmer. Remember, you can't cram for a harvest. (laughs) You can't cram for godliness. You cannot cram for righteousness. It's a process, you see. So notice what he says, verse 7. As the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. As he waits for that precious seed to turn into fruit. Friends, not only if you want a harvest of righteousness from God, not only must you sow the seed, but you have to be patient. You have to wait. If you're going to take notes today, I want you to note this. This is worth writing in your Bible. This is worth writing somewhere or making a tweet or a Facebook post or something. But you need to note this. God is never late. Learn to wait. God is never late. Learn to wait. God is never late. Learn to wait. And there's some of you just like me, you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. But let me show you something. See, in our culture, we think waiting means this. Twiddling our thumbs. Sitting idle. That's not what waiting means. Isaiah says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They shall rise up with wings like eagles. Waiting to the Bible culture is not what waiting is to our culture. The word wait there in Isaiah literally means to serve. What do we call servers at restaurants? What do we call them? Waiters and waitresses. Why? Because the word wait means to serve. Do you know what you do while you're waiting on God? You serve God. Hallelujah. It's action. It's not setting on your hands. No, it's taking your hands and letting God work in you and then letting God work. Through you. And that's what it means to wait on the Lord. And because it's action, action begets action. And then all of a sudden, instead of setting in depression, instead of setting in isolation, instead of being in despair and woe is me, no, all of a sudden, you begin to live with an energy that is supernatural, that comes from God, that then you begin to walk and not be weary and run and not faint and mount up with wings like eagles. Even though you're waiting for the precious fruit, James 5, 7. Amen? Amen. So don't stop sowing your seed. You cannot get a harvest without putting something into the ground. And what did we say to start? And oh, don't miss this. You don't get a harvest out of what is stored You get a harvest out of what is sown. Say amen if you're listening to me. Some of you excel at saving. But you're failing at giving. You do not get a harvest out of what is stored. You get a harvest out of what is sown. So sow to the Lord. Sow acts of service. Sow acts of kindness. Sow habits of godliness. Sow your skills into the kingdom. Sow your talents into the kingdom. Sow your time into the kingdom. Sow your money into the precious kingdom of God. This has been the most exhilarating year. Of giving that Sadie and I have ever had. I don't say it to brag or boast. I say it to be transparent. The first of the year the Lord told Sadie and I. Every extra money you get. Give it away. Every bit of it. Everything. If I do a wedding. A wedding. I don't ever charge for anything. I don't charge for any wedding. I don't charge for any funeral. I don't charge to minister to people. I don't charge for counseling. I do every single thing I do for free. But if I do a wedding, sometimes people will give me a card and there'll be some money in it or whatever. The Lord said, anything you get extra. Anything. I want you to give it away. And I'm telling you, it has been the most exhilarating year. It has been a year of joy in our marriage, in our household, because we are learning what it means to sow precious seed. Where's your harvest going to come from? What's God going to do in your life in 2021? What's God going to do in 2022? What's he going to do the next five years? You'll not get a harvest without sowing a seed. What can you sow? What can you get involved in? For to get involved in God's work, in God's interest, is to invite God into your life and into your interest. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you that your word is so clear and so transparent I want to thank you God that you don't push us out in life and just say "Ah, figure things out but you instruct us you help us and God while we have the mentality spiritually that often we had in school we just cram (laughs) you teach us how to back up and say no 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 let's be patient let's be methodical Let's be disciplined. Let's be systematic. And you teach us what to do with our lives. God, this church thrives because of such generous people. But God, I know that there are many listening. That they've not yet stepped into the realm of generosity. They're on the outside looking in. They don't know yet what it is to live a life of generosity. They don't know verse 11 yet. And you will enrich us in every way to be generous in every way. God, I pray for those. Help them to step into generosity. Help them to take new steps of faith and engage in the work of God. Because what you invite us into is not just what you'll do in 2021, not just what you'll do in 2022, not just what you'll do in the next five years, but in the ages to come, Ephesians 2.7. So give us an eternal view, an eternal perspective, that what we do in the days of this life It's going to show for all of eternity. Let us don't waste it. We love you, God. You're so generous to us. Thank you that we have all sufficiency in all things at all times. Thank you that your grace abounds toward us. Thank you that you help us abound in every good work. Thank you that you freely distribute. Thank you God that your righteousness endures forever. And that's why you can promise such harvest of righteousness. Because with you God, there's no lack, there's no cap, there's no reserve. Your righteousness endures forever. Wow. And that's why you can say, Chad, if you'll step into this realm of generosity, you will have a harvest of righteousness because you can give it, God. You can give what we can't buy or what we can't produce on our own. You can do. It. So God, we just yield to you afresh today. We yield our talents. We use our, yield our skills. We yield our time. Lord God and we yield our money we yield all of the resources that you generously provide in your precious name we pray Amen